Hey everyone, and welcome to the Annex Tuesday Night Podcast. The Annex is a community seeking to discover and live life in Jesus. And we hope that this message will help you do just that. If you like what you hear, you can always subscribe. So these messages come right to your phone each week. And you can always check us out at theannexboulder.com or on our Instagram account at theannex.boulder. Enjoy today's message. We're glad that you're here. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing out there? Okay, okay, all right. Big time energy tonight. Way to bring it. Love it, you guys. Um, Hey, uh, welcome back to second semester. Uh, And it's January, everybody's favorite month of the year. And I'm really glad that you're here. Of course, I'm being deeply sarcastic. How many people actually really love January? Like, look forward to after Christmas because January's coming. How many people we got out there? Have you missed some skiers? Okay, yeah, come on. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, hopefully you're getting your turns in and really enjoying that. Um, we are um, uh, uh, starting a new series tonight. We're looking at this uh, book uh, that's in our Bibles. When we open our Bible, it's called, it'll say First uh, John or 1 John, if you just read it quite literally. Uh, and it's a letter written by a guy named John, and it talks about some really profound things. And some of our core groups are actually going to be studying First John I'm at about this part of the semester, so that might be fun for you if that's you. Um, anyway, and, and the series is called Light and Love, the two big themes that, um, that, that John writes about. And so that's why our series is called Light and Love, and it'll make a lot more sense as we get into it. I'm kind of in a funny spot in life right now. I spent the last couple weeks with my family um, in this town called Pasadena. It's in Southern California, just outside of L.A. Um, and we had a really wonderful time. Kelsey mentioned I went to Disneyland twice. Um, which was kind of uh, very fun and, and a little bizarre, um, uh, but, but good. And uh, Disneyland the day after Thanksgiving, or excuse me, Christmas, is like um, crazy. There's like 50 or 60,000 people in the park. So anyway, so that was an adventure. And, uh, but what the weird part is that I came back to Boulder on Saturday, and I left my family behind, and we have a little three, a three-year-old, and, uh, and a two-month-old, and so it's kind of bizarre being here in Boulder without them. And then this weekend, if, if anyone um, remembers, there were a couple interns a few years ago named AJ and Amanda, um, and those two are getting married this coming Monday, and true to form, Amanda wanted to get married in the tropics. If you ever know Amanda, she thinks that she lives in the tropics when she lives here, because she dresses in shorts year-round and wears nothing but neon colors. So they're getting married in the Dominican Republic. So it'll be an international destination wedding. And if you happen to be at an all-inclusive resort in the Dominican, I might see you there. Anyway, um, there it is. That's, that's where I'm at. I'm excited to be here tonight. As we get into this talk, let's, uh, we've prayed a few times tonight, but if you do me just the, the, uh, the, uh, the favor of praying one more time uh, as I uh, center my heart and mind, if you want to do that with me, that'd be great. So God, we come here um, tonight uh, coming from lots of different places, different experiences over break. Some of us had really awesome adventures. We got to finally connect with loved ones, with boyfriends or girlfriends, with friends that we just really missed, and we just made um, really great memories. Um, Some of us had really difficult breaks. We were in a place or with people that um, are really challenging to us, and so being back has been a bit of a relief. Some of us are anxious and feel lonely again um, because we're back or stressed about school or sad about the cold or happy about skiing. Lord, we're all over the place, but we're here tonight. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you'd meet us here. 
that your word would bring life to us, to our hearts, to our minds, that it would bring light to our lives and rest to our souls. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in college uh, just three years ago, um, I lived in a fraternity house uh, on 17th Ave in Seattle. It was right on Greek Row, just what you think of when you think of like classic college fraternity Greek Row. And uh, huge trees, like a boulevard in the middle. We'd throw the frisbee around. Of course, that's what people still do in college, which is why I was only in college a few years ago. And um, this, this house, I lived in, the, I actually lived in, if you can imagine this, in, in our main house, not even like in our like annex um, dump house, uh, a few streets up, for three years. Okay, so this is my home. And, uh, and we had this very special room, and it was called the party room. And um, on party nights, this place was like the place to be, you know. Uh, I lived in West L.A. for the six years after college, and the three, well, the math doesn't add up, whatever. And those great clubs in West L.A. didn't hold a candle to our party room. Um, on a great party night, you know, we had all the lights tricked out, and the black lights, and of course we had it totally tuned in to like make it feel really ambient, and we had those like really tall Mackie speaker towers that really kicked. So when we didn't have them out on our front porch, the whole neighborhood could hear what we were listening to. We would have them in our party room, of course, um, doing our thing, and of course we only served the best beverages, so Keystone Light for days, and um, and the DJ would do his thing. I, I can't remember. There was a guy, I think maybe Tarnold was what we called him, Tyler Arnold, so Tarnold. And he might have played some, you know, like outcast four times in a row. Maybe you don't even know who they are. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, that was our party room. And it was, you know, it was a special place. And then we'd play Sweet Caroline at the end of the night. That was the song that we always played to like clear out the dance floor because it's such a terrible song. And... Um, and we'd turn the lights on. And let me tell you, when you turn the lights on in the party room, you realized what it really was. What our party room really was, was this dumpy shoebox-shaped room in the basement of our, giant, our really old fraternity house. And the walls had been poorly painted black, you know, so when you turn the black lights on, it like vibes out. But when the lights are on, it looks terrible. Many of the ceiling tiles had been punched out, you know, over the years for various reasons. There were, uh, you know, it was like petrified leftover keystone light that was somewhat sticky on the floor. And during the party, it smelled like a fog machine, but after the party, it just smelled really bad. And it was also right next to the laundry room. And so inevitably, like, there would be a guy or two that would forget to transfer his laundry from the washing machine to the dryer. You know, it would be there for a few days. So somebody would just, like, take it out and put it on the floor. So inevitably, it, like, kind of, like... Uh, moved into the party room. So there's like stale laundry in, in the party room too. And that was, that was the truth of the party room. That's what it was. It was a crappy old basement room that smelled bad and really was pretty, pretty torn apart. And the only way to know it was when the lights were turned on. The only way to know it was when the lights were turned on. Because light reveals what's actually true about things. Greek philosophers talked about light, used light as a metaphor to describe the nature of reality and knowledge concerning it. So Plato talked about, um, used the, the sun as an analogy of us understanding goodness and reality. And in fact, many universities, academia has picked up on this metaphor of light, of understanding the world through education and truth, 
And that's why, maybe you know, since you're all buffs in this room, most of you, that the University of Colorado, the slogan is, is? No, dude, it's, 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 it's let your light shine, actually, um, derived from this really powerful Greek metaphor. So, a um, little education for you, right? Light reveals, light reveals things as they really are. Light reveals things as they really are. And that was absolutely true about the party room in the old Pi Kappa Phi house. And it's true about our life and our reality as well. The big question that I want to ask tonight, and I think this is an essential question uh, that all humans necessarily need to wrestle with if they're going to take their life seriously, if we're going to take our life seriously, if our life is actually going to count and have purpose, irregardless if you claim Jesus or any sort of faith or worldview, you need to wrestle with this question. And the question is, what do you believe is true light that reveals things as they really are? What do you, re- what do you believe is true light that reveals things as they really are? It might sound nice to exist and have a life where you're able to sort of fabricate um, your reality or the way you want it to be by not really taking an earnest look at your life. But after a while, the reality of what things really are will reveal themselves. And so the question tonight is, what do you believe is true light that reveals things as they really are? Now, there was a guy named John. John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And a disciple is someone who's a follower. So Jesus is um, this uh, uh, profound uh, Jewish teacher that lived at the beginning of the first century. And Jesus, uh, in the Christian faith, um, you can fill in lots of different blanks about what Christians believe Jesus is. But this man, John, spent an entire three years literally following Jesus on the road, traveling with him, listening to him, um, uh, witnessing him, and uh, most importantly, to John being loved by Jesus. If you read John's reflections and testimony of Jesus, you get this overwhelming sense that John thought that Jesus loved him really more than anyone else. He was so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. And so this is John. And John is old in life at this point as he writes this letter that we're going to look at a little bit tonight. John is an old man. And he has spent his entire life devoted to living out the testimony and the teachings and the life and claims of Jesus Christ. He's not somebody who's theoretically a follower of Jesus. He is the epitome of that. And so he's also spent his life, just because of who he is, building Christian communities and telling people about what he witnessed. And so he's writing this letter to a group of people who are asking the question, what is the true light that reveals the way things actually are? Because it wasn't easy to believe in Jesus in the first century, much like I don't think it's very easy to believe in Jesus in the 21st century in Boulder. And so he writes this very intimate and impassioned letter to a group of people asking this big question, what do you believe is the true light that reveals the thing, uh, things as they really are? And so this is how John opens up his letter to these folks. He says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands, which we have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of light. Now, maybe you're coming here tonight and you're like, okay, Dave, you're, or whoever you are talking with a vest on stage, you're reading from the Bible. That's really nice, but the Bible, the Bible's just an old religious relic. 
It's not really relevant anymore. We've already written it off as something that, that we, it isn't, isn't factual or true or helpful. In fact, the only reason that Christians think that it's, it's good is because it's magical, because it's a book that God wrote. I want to scratch that. If John heard that critique of his letter, I think he'd be really ticked off. He starts his letter by telling these people, hey guys, here's where we're starting. The way that I know God, the way that we know God starts with this. The evidence that we saw in the person of Jesus. So he says, the life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. This isn't some mythology. This isn't the faith that I grew up with and I'm only repeating because my mom believed it and her mom believed it and her mom believed it or I grew up in a church in a, in, in, and so that's just what I believe or I grew up in America so that's just what I happen to believe because of where I was born. No, John believes this because this is what he has seen and testified to and now is absolutely convinced. So we proclaim to you, verse 3, to you that we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ we write this to make your joy complete you've got big questions about what true light is we want to make your joy complete and then this verse 5 this this is the message we have heard from him Jesus and declare to you God is light Three words summarizing the testimony that John witnessed and declares. John, or excuse me, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. John is saying in essence, uh, in very in a pithy three-word sentence, God is the source of truth, goodness, and defining reality. With this light, we gain accurate perspective. We can't see things as they are without it. Paul, another guy, wrote uh, in a, with deeper elaboration, and I think it would be helpful for us just to take a quick dive into, um, into this passage to understand uh, uh, more robustly what John, I believe, meant as he summarized that God is light. This is in Ephesians 2. This is what, we re- what is revealed. When, when the light of God is turned on, this is what is revealed according to Paul, and I think John would agree. It says for this, it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit which is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. In essence, all of us, before we understood true light, through the person of Jesus, did what we wanted to do, did what our sort of natural human um, instincts taught us to do, and the result of those things was not helpful, not good, and destructive. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. See, it is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and it is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, or craftsmanship, created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. In essence, God is light. And God shines light on a reality, uh, on true reality, revealing the way things actually are. What the party room actually is. It's really just a janky basement in the pie cap room. And what we see when the light is shown is that us as humans, our condition before Jesus was destructive and destroyed. We were in need of something different. And that God thinks of us very highly. God was not content for us to live in our own destruction, but God, out of his incredible love for us, did something that we couldn't do for ourselves to remedy that. And that you and I, when this light is shown on us, when you and I, Um, discover that these things are true, we also discover that we were created with purpose and have inherent value. That is what John and Paul and the other followers of Jesus would say is true reality about the way things are, and that we know that because of the true light found in Jesus through God. So, what light do you walk by? What belief or worldview do you hold that reveals what's true? What do you believe is true light that reveals things as they really are? This might sound um, a little ridiculous, but I believe that for the most part, the the most common shared source of light revealing truth for us in this room comes from our phones. A study came out just um, a, a few months ago from some folks at Baylor University, um, Sikkim or whatever they do with the bear claw. And um, in this study, they claimed that there is data that shows that the average college male spends eight hours on their phone a day. And the a- average college female spends 10 hours on their phone a day. Now, even if you spend only half of that a day on your phone, that's still four to five hours a day. And most of us, that would be the most time we spend doing anything in a day except for sleeping. That's a lot of time on your phone. And as I say, you all, I also mean myself too. I also am somebody who spends a lot of time on my phone. We spend time communicating, texting, we're on the internet, We're doing social media. Some people play games. I don't know what else you do on your phone. But the problem with our phones, the problem with our phones is that our phones present a filtered reality. Our phones offer us only a filtered reality. Texting, right, when we text somebody, we are missing something really crucial about communicating with another human. We can't actually see someone receive the messages as we send them to them. And so as we text, every time we give a text message and every time we receive one, we aren't actually sure what people think of us or about what we're texting. We have to guess or imply. 
we translate the emojis or the lack of capitalization or the lack or presence of punctuation. Does a period mean you're mad? Does a period mean you're not mad? I don't, I don't actually know still. This filtered reality through communication. And then we spend, uh, this study found that uh, the average person spends at least an hour just surfing the internet. And one of the really wild things about the world right now, the way that we have access to information, most of us access information about the world through the internet, on our phones. And that, that, that information that we consume, most of it, all of it to a certain level, comes with a sort of pre-programmed opinion or bias. So we can choose the way we want to see the world, receive news, based on a certain bias or ideology or worldview that we believe and hold true, regardless of the facts. I was, uh, I, one of my impulses, I, a confession, a real confession, I, I believe that I'm addicted to my iPhone. And one of the things that I often do as an impulse when I'm like uh, anxious or when I need to like kill some time or maybe I'm on the toilet, I don't know, that might be a little TMI, but let's, we're real talk. Um, and one of the things I do is I flip, when I open Google, I get the, do you get the, like the, the news feed below the Google search? Does anyone get that or is that just me? Nobody else gets that? Okay, thank you. Please help me out here. Free. Okay, so dude, I look through that and it's like crazy. It's like, you know, um, you know uh, Trump demands, you know, the wall for world safety. You know, Trump demands like a, a wall built out of cheese. Um, you know, and then it's like reading about the, the, the bachelor in a sloth costume or something like that. And, and so we, we're living we're, we're, and we're consuming this stuff in this sort of filtered, um, filtered reality. And then social media, like the coup de grace of our relationship through phone, right? Social media, this, the different platforms that we use to, um, to demonstrate, to, to show other people what's happening in our life. But the thing with social media is that we're only able and capable to share just little snippets of the reality that we can choose and have control of to share with other people. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I really only like, I almost never post on Facebook intentionally. Um, uh, anyway, Facebook is a deep dive in depression, if you ask me. And uh, I can, anyway, whatever. And then there's Instagram, right? And Instagram, you know, Instagram is this beautiful opportunity for you to just show the best moments of your life with the world. And then if you want to feel really good about yourself, you can look at all of the best moments of other people's lives. And over the years, um, I have developed a personal algorithm about what, po- what photos to post and what photos not to post if I want to get more likes. And who posts a photo to get not a lot of likes? I don't know anyone that does that. I certainly am looking to get at least 200 likes every time I post a photo. And so, of course, it needs to include someone besides myself, my wife, or a cute child. It needs to have at least a couple weeks of space it needs to include something more interesting and dynamic than just a selfie maybe in the kitchen um, and demonstrating that my life is more interesting than it actually is. And that way I get lots of likes. And that's our world, right, with social media, uh, that we are, um, are posting projections of what we really want to be or reality as it's not quite. The reality that our phones cast for us is not a certain or clear reality. I think most of us can, when we think really reflectively about our actual, you know, the way, what the world um, that we see through our phones can acknowledge that it isn't actually a totally accurate reflection of the way that the world is. 
whether it be um, the ambiguity of understanding somebody through a text message or being able to see the world in our personal flavor through the internet or editing our own lives so that other people can see only the best highlights of ourselves. If this is going to be our guiding light, which I'm convinced for most of us, including myself at some level, because it's what I spend so much time thinking about and actually doing and concerning myself with, if this is going to be our guiding light, we are in really big trouble. We're in really big trouble. And friends, uh, I share this uh, with sadness, but also let's just be honest, we are in really big trouble. Um, as, as more and more of us continue to spend um, lots of time um, interfacing with the world through this filtered reality that clearly isn't real reality, it's not true light, more and more of us are struggling with mental health issues. Depression has become more and more prevalent um, for college students, and the suicide rate is going up in a really marked way. And this is all uh, interrelated to our relationship and the way that we interact with our phones. What do we believe is the true light that reveals things as they really are? What do we believe is the true light that reveals things as they really are? God God offers us um, something much different than a filtered reality through our phone where we can sort of pick and choose and be in touch with a lot of people, but we're not actually in touch with those folks. Says John says, God is light and in him is no darkness. Imagine um, something that gives us true light and accuracy in life, but also the side product isn't, isn't depression or doubt or loneliness. It's actually something totally different. It's, it's um, a, 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 not a false self-confidence, but a real self-confidence. The self-confidence that comes from being known that you're loved, not because of anything you've done, not because of anything you've posted or said or not said or represented yourself, simply because you are who you are, because you've been called a child of God, that you are loved before you even knew what love was. That's true. If the light of God is true, then that's true about us. And that we're not just random mistakes that happen to be here. We are people that God created with intentional purpose that our lives have meaning and substance, that that was God's plan for us. This is the truth that God's light reveals. What do you believe is the true light that reveals things as they really are? John believed. John believed after spending years with Jesus taking seriously his teachings, putting them into practice for decades, and seeing the results of what it would mean to actually believe that God is light and that living in this light was absolutely the best option that we had and was absolutely the most accurate way that we could understand the way things really were. John was so convinced that that was true, that that was the witness in his last days. And friends, that is the invitation that we have in Jesus. And the first step for us in answering this question, what do we believe is true light, is for us to have the courage to begin to ask, I think for us, so many of us in this room, so many of us have perhaps grown up with this Christian worldview. We've grown up with a Christian worldview where um, we believe what our folks have believed 
And this, this Christian thing has become so a part of just our life and our identity that it's essential that we hold on to it because we're scared to even ask the questions that might lead us away from where we are and what we identify with. But John would say, dude, don't do that. Dig into this really difficult question, this really difficult question of understanding truly what is real light, what is real truth. And when you dig in, not to a book that's true because it's magically written by God, but it contains the true testimony of somebody who reflected truth so profoundly that everyone that was near to him believed the things that he said and taught, even though they sounded crazy at the time. Their lives were changed. And the invitation is for us to accept that reality as well. Let's pray. Jesus, as we um, uh, consider uh, uh, your, your invitation, your own personal claim, when you said yourself, I am the light of the world. Anyone who lives in me no longer walks in darkness. Lord, um, all of us, um, no matter um, where we stand, uh, whether it's um, on the other side of a deep um, personal journey of trying to understand truth, um, understand you, understand God and the way things work, or just at the beginning of the journey, just moving out um, of uh, a, a community and a comfortable place where no one challenges our worldview, wherever we are, Lord, we ask that you would meet us along the way, that if you are indeed who you claim to be, if the testimony of your followers like John is true, that we would know that truth for ourselves. That your promise that you say that um, to knock, seek, and ask, that you would respond. Lord, we don't want to live in darkness. And we're not content with the dim light of the phone that, and, and the, the light that it projects in our life that, that is, is really killing us. We want something else. So show up. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you back here next week.